Welcome back to season two of the Ivy League Prep Academy podcast, equipping you to successfully pursue the college of your dreams. We believe everyone deserves to reach their full potential and the admissions process shouldn't hold you back. As important as discovering your core values is and living those core values on a daily basis in a courageous way, as important as that is to getting into a great college, we can't escape the reality that colleges are academic institutions. And whether you love studying new things or not, your ability to get into a highly selective college is going to depend a lot on how successful you are in high school at getting great grades, right? And so I think we all know this. I don't think I need to spend a lot of time at the beginning of this podcast introducing how important it is to get great grades. The challenge, though, is that some of you are working very, very hard, trying very, very hard, spending a lot of time, but not getting the grades that you want. And I really want to speak to you to give you some tactics that can actually improve your grades, improve the level and the depth of your learning while reducing the amount of time that you spend studying. Now, I'm going to assume that you have already listened to my podcast about productivity, or if you're in the Ivy League Challenge, you've already seen the video about productivity. If you have already listened or seen that, then this is the next step. So first of all, you do need to know how to remove all of the distractions from your life. You do need to know how long you can focus, and you should not push yourself beyond that focus to the point where you collapse. Because if you're pushing yourself too far and your brain collapses, in other words, if you are one of those people who can really get into a flow and you study hard and you push yourself and after 30 minutes and 40 minutes and 60 minutes and 90 minutes, you're just feeling great. You've got so much momentum. You don't want to stop now because you've got to keep this going. Eventually, you start to feel like you need a break. And by then, it's too late. Your brain, your body has collapsed. You need full recovery, not just a break. And if you pursue that strategy, you're really cutting out a lot of your potential. All right. So I'm assuming then that we will pick up where that podcast slash training video lays off. All right. So if you haven't listened to that first, go ahead and listen to that. Learn how to remove distractions from your environment. Learn how to focus your effort and learn how to give yourself the dopamine hit that you need to associate with highly effective studying. Because if you can add that dopamine through self-talk, right? If you can add that to your study routine, then that is, I mean, that's a superpower to be able to associate highly effective study sessions with pleasure and excitement. That gets you to the point where you look forward to these study sessions and with with good reason, right? I mean, it really, really improves your life. But with that foundation in place, once you've listened to that podcast or watched that training, now it's time to get into these specific tactics because a lot of people are studying in ways that are really ineffective. They take up a lot of time and get very little back in return. So after teaching AP, IBDP, IBMYP, A-level classes, honors classes, advanced classes of all kinds, I've taught in college, I've taught high school, I've taught middle school, and I've worked with, you know, of course, regular classes and everything else. So after a lot of time in the classroom, I can tell you that what most people are doing is really ineffective. What most people do, and I want you to commit, once you've listened to this, never again, all right? I want you to never again use boring average student review techniques. What are those? Well, that is sitting down, opening up your textbook, and reading your textbook and your notes silently. 
Even if you add a highlighter to this, which is a little bit better, that does create some proactivity. It does insert or inject activity into the studying. It's still the average and very boring and very ineffective average student review technique. All right, never again. Instead, you wanna be using active recall methods. Okay, so this is different for different subjects. Math is going to be a little bit different than the humanities, for example, or I guess a lot different. But whatever you're doing, it takes more energy than silent reading. The effective strategies do require that you increase your focus and it does require you burn more calories, that you do spend more energy than silent reading. But here's the exchange. In exchange, you learn better and in much less time. Most of my students talk about cutting their study time in half and improving their grades. All right, so how do we take better notes? As long as we're talking about most humanities classes, this is your history classes, psychology, uh, this is gonna be business, all of these kind of humanities classes, you want to begin in the classroom. Instead of trying to capture the teacher's words, what you wanna be doing is shifting your notes into looking for the big ideas. Pay attention to the big picture ideas. And the way we do that is you create your notes in the format of a question, evidence, and conclusion, or so what. Okay, so the question is you listen to the teacher and you start to understand that the teacher is opening up this idea, this main idea with some kind of question, okay? There is a big idea and a question that needs to be answered or a puzzle that needs to be solved. You want to be looking for and listening for that question. Once you hear it or once you figure it out, write down the big question. Then you're going to be taking notes as you create evidence. And you don't know where this evidence is going to lead, but you're listening for the conclusion. You're listening for the resolution, the answer to this big picture question. So why did this certain event happen in history? Well, all these different things happened and all these dates and all these names and all these places, all those things are evidence. And yes, eventually it will be important to know some or all of those things, depending on your teacher and depending on the test formats. But the way that you remember this historical event is you remember the big idea, the question that's being asked, and then the resolution. Why does this big idea matter in the grand scheme of things, right? The so what element of all of this. So question, evidence, conclusion, or resolution, which is the kind of so what. Oh, so this historical event changed the way that uh, democracy unfolds in the new world or something like that, right? We're learning about this event because it changed the perspective that the rest of the world has about democracy, for example. Okay, I'm just completely spitballing here. But that's the idea. You're looking for the big ideas, the evidence for those big ideas, and then you write down the conclusions. Same thing for psychology, for business, for any kind of humanities class, okay, social studies, things like that. Later on, after class, you may have questions that you haven't figured out yet. Guess which questions are the ones that teachers love from students? You can raise your hand and ask during class time so the entire class gets to benefit from your question. Or if you're nervous about that and don't want to ask in front of the class for whatever reason, you can wait and then go ask the teacher right after class as well. These are the questions that teachers live for. They get so excited about a student who says, okay, I get the big idea is this, and here's some evidence for it, but, but so what? Like, what's the big deal? Why does that matter? Help me understand the conclusion. When you start asking those questions, wow, 
the teacher begins to see you as a completely different type of student, as an outstanding student. And they're really excited to answer these questions. They might even ask you to ask the question at the beginning of class, or if you don't feel comfortable, they may ask your question for you and say, let's start class today with this important question. Now let's go backwards and work through this. If you can recognize the big ideas and ask your questions around those big ideas, your teacher's gonna love you and they're gonna love talking to you after class. Surprisingly, math is very similar. You wanna be paying attention also to the big picture ideas and explanations in class, but the difference is you do want to be able to understand each step of the problem. You wanna understand why the teacher walked you through this practice problem in the way that he or she did. So during math classes, what a lot of people do is they'll see a problem and they'll begin working it out. And if they can work it out without the teacher's help, then they kind of feel bored and they tune out the teacher while the teacher is going through the steps. You don't wanna do that. You wanna follow the teacher and follow the steps and make sure you understand why each step is the way that it is. And later on, you can do practice problems and you can go back to that each step of the process and kind of see where your steps are not lining up with what the teacher taught. But what's really exciting, even in math, is if you can take these practice problems and up on the whiteboard, pretend to lecture to an imaginary class. Walk this imaginary class through the practice problem in each of the steps and teach them just the same way that the teacher taught you. Science is going to be a combination of these two things. There are big ideas in science, and then there are things that require that you understand the steps and you understand the mechanics of breaking down some scientific process. So if you are describing the Krebs cycle, for example, yes, you want to understand the big idea that this is how energy is created, all of those sorts of things. But you also want to be able to unfold the mechanics step by step in front of an imaginary classroom. So you can kind of combine these two strategies. Now, that leads me to this last idea for today's podcast, because we're not getting into essay writing today. We'll save that for the next podcast. Uh, but when you need to memorize information, for example, charts, diagrams, vocabulary, things like that, my two favorite strategies, and they're as old as time, okay? Nothing new here, nothing revolutionary. They're the oldest, but the best strategies out there. Number one is flashcards. And don't begin your flashcards the night before the test. Begin creating your flashcards really early on. If there's just important information that needs to be memorized, start creating those flashcards early on and just have them with you because flashcards can be mindless. They, they can take two minutes or they can take 20 minutes, but they're very effective if you just pull them out in between activities when you have five minutes here or there and nothing else to do, pull out your flashcards, review, and man, it makes everything easier when it comes time to prepare for the test. The other really, really valuable tool is charts with the answers either covered up with a piece of paper or blocked out with whiteout, all right? So you photocopy the chart, you make 50 copies of it or however many you need, depending on how complicated the chart is, right? You may only need five copies. But what you wanna be able to do is take an empty chart with, with everything, you see the arrows pointing to the locations, but nothing is labeled. And you wanna be able to put those labels in from scratch without any hints or clues or anything else. And to me, those are the two best ways to memorize information, super helpful for you. And this will help you, I mean, anatomy, biology, any of your vocabulary issues, all of those things, chemistry, chemical equations, 
all of those things can be memorized through flashcards and through charts and diagrams. All right. Now, with all of these strategies, there's one other thing that I love that is brand new. I mean, not brand new, but certainly new in the last decade or so. And that is every time you have questions about your big ideas, there are a lot more resources than there used to be. And I hope you can take advantage of those resources. So place question marks in your notes in the areas that you can't determine the conclusion immediately, the areas where you can't figure out the so what element. And what I recommend you do is you answer those questions while reading, go back and reread the textbook with the intent to answer that question, the big idea question, or you go to YouTube or to Google. And it's shocking how often just reading someone else's explanation that may be more simple or more complicated or watching a YouTube video, just watching someone else explain the idea somehow clarifies the original textbook or the original teacher's lecture. All right. So go and resolve those question marks within 24 at a worst case scenario within 48 hours. All right. So a cold, hard stop at 48 hours. But I like to try, I suggest you try to fill in those question marks within 24 hours of making the question mark. Do that through YouTube or Google or rereading your textbook, asking your friends in the classroom, your peers, or asking the teacher. All of those are excellent resources and take advantage of them. But the cool thing is if you're willing to spend a little bit more energy and be a little bit more effective with the way that you approach what you're learning, then yes, it burns more calories and you will need to focus and be better. I mean, you just have to be ready for that, right? It is more work than just sitting there with an open textbook, being reactive and reading silently and sometimes losing your place and forgetting what you just read and then rereading and whatever, right? And it gets even worse. I know some people who have the TV on while their textbook is open in their lap and as if they're pretending to do both at the same time. Uh, of course, you need to begin with this foundation. You know that the trade-off is this. You put extra focus and extra effort into your studies and you get two things back. You get better learning back, first of all, from the very get-go. The very first time you invest more energy, you're going to get better learning. And second of all, over time, you get your time back. At first, you're going to take just as much time, but it doesn't take long before you start to catch up on these big ideas. You start to understand things better in class. You start to use your time between classes more effectively. And before you know it, you don't need to spend nearly as much time studying and doing homework after class. All right, so use these strategies. Be strategic with your time and your energy. Very few things are more important for a high school student. If you want time to go make an impact in your community, if you want time to go discover your core values and live them more courageously, you need to be productive when you study. And that's what our podcast today is all about. I want to give you those tools, whether it's the humanities or math or science or memorization. I want to give you these tools. These are the best strategies, the best tactics that I've found to help students through this. Next week, we'll talk about essay writing. Music for this episode came from We Are Here by Declare P. I'm Steve Gardner. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and share with a friend. Thanks for listening.